0: Well, all of us have lists like that, don't we? Lots of advice for people that we've had from our own experiences or things that we've studied or things that we've examined. I must admit, nobody has advice quite like Jack Handy, though. I mean, that guy has got his act together. But um, when we look at this, you guys, pretty much, it's part of the reason why we study history, because some people have gone before us. And when they've gone before us, they have learned things. Don't ask me how I know. Well, the reason I know is because I've experienced it, or because I have really examined this thing. I have really studied this, and I know this. That's why people write books. And that's why we read them, right? Because we think that they've experienced something, or they've learned something, or they've studied something, and somehow that's going to help us to have a better life. And so, but then there's this book here, this Bible, and the guy who writes this one, it's really not a guy, he says, not just have I experienced it, or have I studied it? He goes, no. Actually, I just, I am. I am. I am. And so it's not that I've studied it. I'm the one who created it. And so if we're going to look to somebody and say, hey, could you give me some advice on something? Or how should I live? This is the book that we want to look at. And so just, just to let you know, we're starting a brand new series today. And it's just called, take a look at this. And uh, what it is, it's gonna be five weeks where Andy and I are just gonna be able to to share with you some of the insights that we've had as we've opened this book, and some of the really, really cool things like we feel like God is showing us. And um, as a church, one of the things that we realize um, is one of the critical components for us as a church body, any of you who are trying to really follow Jesus Christ, is that you too would have the incredible experience Of being able to open up the Bible and actually engage with the one who knows you, who loves you, who knows the future for you, and whose will is good and pleasing and perfect in every single way, and he would actually want to reveal things to you, that you could open the Bible, and I think God would say to you, hey, take a look at this, take a look at this. So how we're going to start our, our service today is I've asked uh, three people, who I know very well, um, who've, uh, kind of, who do this, who kind of, t- on a regular basis, spend time with God, they open up His Word, and just recently, I kind of went around with our staff meeting one day and said, hey, could you, get, anybody just want to share some stuff that they've, that they've gotten uh, out of God's Word? And it was just a really cool moment. Um, and so I've asked Ryan uh, Coley to come on up here, and Eric Winter, and my wife, Susie, who, uh, so if you guys would welcome them up to the stage here real quick. <laughs> Go ahead. Go to. All right.
1: Hey. Between
0: uh, you Yeah, please. We had a rough morning. All right. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, anyway, Ryan, you look great today. Um, why, why do you look so good?
2: So we just finished about two minutes ago, our, our second annual Salt Lake Mission trip with our students right here.
0: Yeah! So, hey, you guys stand up. Everybody everybody, stand up. everybody who's in the youth, yeah. give, them a, give them a round of applause. Cool. So, so just tell, just real quick, some of this what you've been doing in general.
2: So guys, our heart for this was that these guys would catch new eyes for the city. They'd say, man, I don't just go to school here and hang out here, but I can make a difference and impact. And so we did all kinds of various activities from a children's orphanage to a little uh, home, a breakfast with a homeless guy just to get interaction stuff going on. And the students said last night, man, if one of us, you know, if our light shines bright and we can make a little bit of difference, What would happen if every single one of us decided, hey, we're going to take over the city and do something good with our lives? They said, man, that's what we're going to do with our week. So that's exactly what we did. We're going to keep this going. And the cool thing is we're going to get tight in the process of doing it. And we have an awesome community of students that say, hey, we're in this thing together and we're going to cover each other's backs and go through high school together. So an awesome, awesome trip. If you want to hear about it, Grab one of these guys and say, hey, what was the highlight? They could tell you some of the most incredible stories you've ever heard from a mission trip just three days long right here in Salt Lake.
0: Cool. Awesome, man. Well, go for it, buddy. Just share, share with some people what happened in your experience here.
2: So um, I, did, I just sit before Jesus and was reading. And I, so I was reading Psalm 4. It's about a week ago or so. And here's what it says. Psalm 4, 2. It says, How long will you lust after lies? Why is everyone hungry for more, 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 they say. More and more. And so it says... How long will you lust after lies? And I started thinking, man, why is it that I want the wrong stuff in life? Why do I want more gadgets and more relationships and more of my own desires, my own selfish desires? And the thing that I really need is more of Jesus. And I equated it to this. Clarissa and I, my bride and I, we went to dinner, and we went to Cheesecake Factory, and we both were hungry. And so we ate the meal, and it was huge, and we got a piece of cheesecake. And afterwards, we were so unsatisfied. You know that, like, feeling where your gut just aches? You know, I totally had that. And the next night, Clarissa cooked a meal, and it was healthy and everything, and it was the the four-course meal that, you know, is everything that a body needs. And afterwards, we felt so great. And we went for a walk, and we're like, man, why is it that we desire that cheesecake factory, the stuff that we know is not going to do our bodies good, but we desire it? I thought, man, the same is true of my life. I desire all the stuff that isn't important, that doesn't matter, when the thing that I actually need is more of Jesus more of him to penetrate my soul and say, hey, Ryan, I have a plan for you and a call on your life, and that's what I need to be doing instead of the stuff that I often run after. You know, and this is an age-old problem. People are lusting after lies. You know, and I've fallen into the same trap that people have hundreds and hundreds of years before.
0: Cool. Thanks, ma'am. Go ahead and pass it over to Suze.
3: When David asked me to share um, something I've received from the Lord in the last few days, it was it's pretty cool because I just have, started a new book um i just spent the last year of my life reading the letter of james and thinking about it and praying about it and learning from it and it's really been about a week or two ago i decided it was time to move on and start um, reading the letter of first peter and there isn't really anything this week where i feel like god has said you know hear this but what's happened for me this week that i wanted to share with you is um, kind of the beautiful stage of, for me, of studying the Bible where I am being wooed and um, intrigued by a piece of God's Word that I haven't had the time to really look at deeply yet in my life. And I just keep coming back to this book every day, um, wanting to be in it. And when I was a freshman in college, um, someone taught me that if you really want to study deeply a book of the Bible, what you need to do first is read it 30 to 50 times and just pay attention and so that's what I've been doing I'm just reading it every day and paying attention and it's starting without even studying it or looking at study guides or asking any specific questions it's beginning already to change my heart and my soul and I'm starting to um, get whispers from the Spirit whispers about what Jesus wants to say to me through this book what Peter was saying to the people who followed Christ, who were scattered all throughout the, um, the realm of Turkey at that time, but um, mostly whispers about what I think my soul longs for. And um, one of the things you do when you read repetitively like this is pay attention to what the author repeats. What does he say over and over and over and over? And for those of you who know First Peter, it's a book written to people who were in deep suffering who were losing their lives, who were losing loved ones, who were losing property um, because of being Christians. And um, Peter encourages them that what they have in Jesus will never be taken away. But what I've been surprised by, that that's not the only thing that uh, Peter repeats. Um, What I've been surprised by is the book is equally as much about being alive in a life that is purposeful and glorious and precious and can be lived without fear and those things are repeated over and over and over and so i'm (laughs) i just i have a study guide that i'm supposed to be using to study this and i i just don't want to pick it up yet because i just want to keep coming to this every day and reading it and letting it wash over me Um, i think what's happening to me right now is summed up by a verse right here in chapter 2 where it says like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you can grow and I am longing for this and it's a it's it's a very it's a sweet time.
1: Cool. <clears throat> well <clears throat> for me it's th- this uh, what I'm going to share today is more just kind of a way that the God's word has really been alive um, and uh, this last year uh, has been a challenging year in a lot of ways. And, and my personality is one that, that I like to, to do things. I like to control things. And uh, that's always been one of my issues uh, in my walk with God is sometimes I'm trying to, to take control and trying to figure it out on my own. And, and then I find myself uh, kind of struggling along the way, realizing, you know, it's not really about what I can do, but it's really what, what God can do in me and through me. And so there was a, a an evening where I just just kind of life has been was challenging and and things that in my in my mind whenever I, I, I would lay down and go to sleep you know all of a sudden my mind would kick in and 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 then I wasn't sleeping and or I'd wake up in the night and and be thinking and and when those things happen then usually the way my mind works is I start taking it to the extremes and then start thinking about things that really there's no real reason that I should even be concerned with them um but but I was and um and you know, some of them were just like you know, physical aches and pains from from different things and and family and so forth. And and I, I got to this one evening, I just said, "Okay, God, I just I need to hear from you because I'm 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 struggling here." And um, and so for me, a lot of times when I find myself at that point, um, I go to the Book of Proverbs um, because that really speaks to me a lot, it, it, right where I need it. And so that night, I just said, man, Lord, just would you share with me what, what I need to hear from you? And so as I opened up, I went to Proverbs uh, 3 and uh, started reading. And, and these are the verses that really jumped out at me. And it says, my son, uh, which is a great place to start. You know, this is a reminder. say, so, you know, yeah, I am his son. Um, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them uh, from your sight. They will be life to you, an ornament of grace to your neck. Then you will go on your way in in safety. Your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence, and he will keep your foot from being snared. And, you know, when I read that, I'm like, wow. Every single thing that uh, was rolling through my mind, everything that I was struggling with trying to figure out on my own, Right there, Jesus just gave me the word and said, no, remember me. You know, remember my sound judgment, my discernment. I will be your life. Um, And when you lie down, your sleep can be sweet. And um, so every time I read that, man, life's been perfect. I've just, you know, easy. (laughs) And uh, it's been great. No, but you know what? For real, it it was a turning point. Um, And you know what? My sleep has been sweet. And, and, you know, in those moments when things kind of well up again, it's been a place to go back to get the confidence to oh, know, no, this isn't about me. It's about what God's doing in me. Awesome. Thanks, man.
0: Cool. Thanks, you guys, for sharing that stuff. <laughs> Again, I, I can't tell you guys enough. It was, it was so cool. Um, just every once in a while, we do this as a staff or, or whatever, and Susan and I do it with each other all the time. We just say, so what's, what's been going on? What's God speaking to you? And when you realize that the living God of the universe actually knows you and loves you and wants to speak to you, um, it's a pretty amazing experience. And I hope that all of you would just consider, again, diving in uh, to his word, which is alive and active and, and can minister to your heart. So here we go. So what I wanted to share with you today is something that I read um, actually a few, uh, man, probably about a couple months ago. Uh, there's a group of us guys who get together on Thursday mornings, and we actually read the Bible separately. And then we come together and we kind of share what, we, what we're getting out of this thing. And this was one of the uh, passages that we read. And um, because if the word, as the Bible says, is a lamp unto our feet, if it really is the truth, then it really is the guide for us in everything of the way we should do. And so when we come to the church, I mean, I, obviously this would be one component, you know, as, as the pastor of this church, what are we going to look like? What are we gonna do? What are we gonna be involved in? All that kind of stuff has to come from what God actually says about the church. And one of the things he says is, well, what is the church? He says it's the body of Christ. That's what the church is. When you, so you guys, right now, all of you, in any one of you is a part of it. If you've received Jesus Christ into your life and the Holy Spirit of God has now come in you, as Eric just said, and you're now a child of God, then what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, 27 is you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Every person reconciled to God and filled with the Spirit. So, what I wanna share with you guys today is this. If that's you today, then what does that mean? If you actually are sitting here today, and you're saying, you know what, I've, I'm one of those. I've made a decision to follow Christ. Then what that means is that for you individually, and for me individually, that my life should be like Christ. And then, corporately, as a group of people, when people think of K2, the church, one of the things that should happen in everything that we do and everything that we are is we should look like Christ. And that's what all this is about. And so there's a point where Jesus says this. He says, peace be with you. In John 20, 21, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, as the body of Christ, and I love that analogy, I actually learned something uh, today, uh, actually really early this morning. And that is, when you pull a muscle, you know, in your leg, which I did recently playing ultimate Frisbee, when you pull a muscle in in your leg, here's some Jack Handy advice for you. The last thing you want is to get a cramp in the muscle that you pulled at five in the morning. I mean, that was killing me. I don't know, you guys, you know you get cramps in your leg? I mean, that's nasty. Have you ever had a cramp in your leg in the muscle that you pulled? I mean, that was it was a whole new experience for me. A whole new level of pain, I might add. And so, sometimes I think when we think about being the body of Christ, part of the, sometimes it just doesn't quite work right. <laughs> because this morning that was just not right. And when Jesus Christ comes to us, you guys, what he says is, I know what's right, I know what's right, so my question before we dive in here today is this, is is do you want to know what's right for your life, and then secondly, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, or if you're considering that, the question for us today is, do you actually want to live like him, do you want to live like him, and so here at K2 the church, we have this little mantra that we use, that we've said, this is what we want to be like. We feel like this will encompass what it means to be the body of Christ and to be the church. And it's that we are going to be focused and we're going to be tight, and we're going to be out there. And what I'm going to share with you today is a small little passage in, in John, or I'm sorry, in Mark, chapter one, starting with verse 35. And as as we were sitting right back in that lobby on a Thursday morning, and I read this passage, once again, I felt like Jesus again revealed to me in his word, Dave, this is what your life is supposed to be all about. And, Dave, this is what K2, the church, is supposed to be all about. So watch this. Let's look at this together. Because that's one of the things I do. You know, you can read the word of God, but actually what I try to do is watch, you know? Like, Like Susie would say, pay attention And especially when you're reading the life of Christ, you kind of watch him and see what he does and listen to what he says, okay? So look at this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And a man with leprosy came to him, and he begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. And filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man. And then he said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cured. Now, um, I just want to pray here before we start, before I start diving through this whole passage. And, um, and would you just join me again, you guys? Again, why are we here today? Why did you come on this beautiful summer July morning to church? And part of it is, if you're like me, my hope and my prayer for today is that as we go through this thing, Jesus might be open up your eyes and that he might open our eyes to the life that we're called to lead as those who say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ and I follow him and I'm part of the church, okay? So let's, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much who, for everyone who's here today. Um, we thank you that you are present with us today and that you love us and that every life in this room matters to you. God, that every, you've designed each person uniquely and specially for a purpose that you have for them and part of that purpose, God, is that you've brought them at this time and at this place to be a part of K2, the church. You have brought us together even this morning. And God, now I'm just asking that you might just surprise us today and speak to us in a way that would help us to see, God, what kind of life am I living? And what kind of life do you want us to live? And we just pray now that your word, which is alive and active, might come and penetrate into our hearts and send us out of this place just as you, Father, sent Jesus. And we ask for it in your name. Amen. All right, here we go. So verse 35. What's the first thing that we see about Jesus Christ? It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So if I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm going to imitate him, and again, that's what it meant to be a disciple, you guys. What it meant to be a disciple was I'm going to follow you so closely so that I can actually emulate your life. And for us today, if we're the body of Christ, which means therefore we look like Christ, we live the life that Christ lived. One of the things it said in Luke five sixteen, not just in this story, but it says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. So, what we say here at K2 The Church is if we're going to be like Christ, then we're going to be focused. Because Jesus Christ was absolutely focused. And the more you study him and the more you look at his life, the one thing you realize is that there really was one thing that Jesus Christ was all about while he walked this earth. And that is, he said, I am one with the Father. John ten thirty. it says, I and the Father are are one. You know what Jesus said all the time? He said, I am going to know your will, Father, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to know your will, and I'm going to do it. And one of the most amazing things to me about Jesus that has intrigued me for probably the last 10 years that I'm trying to figure out how to live in my life is when Jesus Christ said, I do absolutely nothing on my own, but whatever the Father tells me to do, I do. And again, can you guys stop and think? Think about how many things you do on your own. I mean, almost, that's how we live. We're Americans, right? We can figure this thing out. We've been educated. I've got a mind. I've got a heart. I can go do things on my own. And yet the one that we follow, who probably, if there ever was anybody who could do something on his own, never did. What did he do? He often withdrew to solitary, lonely places, and he prayed. Because he wanted to know what his father wanted him to do. And then whatever his father told him to do, he actually did it. Now here's the interesting thing. Let's back up just a little bit in this book to Mark chapter 1, verse 9. The very first thing that we see about Jesus Christ when he enters the scene is this. It says, At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. And with you, I am well pleased. And when we look at this, you guys, the very first thing that we see about Jesus Christ when he enters the scene is he gets baptized. And what's that mean? Two things happen. The Spirit of God descends upon him and he receives the blessing of his Father. He receives the blessing. You guys, It all restarts. If you guys have taken our crash course, which many of you have if you're on our crash, remember this. Our very first value here at K2 The Church is receiving. If you're really gonna live the life that God has for you, the first thing that has to happen is you gotta receive. First of all, you need to receive His forgiveness for all of your sin of which Jesus Christ died for on the cross. The second thing is you need to receive His Spirit so He actually can live inside you and empower you. And then the third thing, which I think is awesome, is Jesus received the blessing of his Father. I mean, God wants to bless you and tell you how awesome you are, how much he loves you, how precious you are, and we need to receive those blessings. And so, actually, the other, and the other thing, too, is the first thing he did, which is so amazing, is that Jesus Christ got baptized. And, and I just, again, we're having a baptism that's coming up on August 9th. And, and, and again, if you are saying, yes, I have made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ, and I believe in him, and yet you haven't been baptized, then I would really want to encourage you that that step is a very important step of coming into the water just like Christ did. Now, if you've already put your faith in him, you've received him, but this is the symbol. There's something about saying yes in front of everybody in the world. Yes, I belong to him. Just like I got to do a wedding last night. It was so amazing, right? I mean, these two people are so in love with each other, and they can't wait to stand in front of the whole rest of the world and say, this is the one that I'm living the rest of my life with. And that's what baptism is, is it gives you a chance to publicly say, this is the one, and I've given him my life. And so I want to really encourage you to, again, if we're going to be focused on Christ and follow him, the first thing he does is get baptized. But here's what's interesting about Jesus. He starts off by receiving from God, and then he never stops receiving. He never stops receiving. He constantly goes to lonely places just to be with his God. So my question for you a little bit is, are you doing that? Are you receiving? On a daily basis, on a regular basis at least, are you putting yourself in place where you can actually receive from God? I know, I'm going to know his will, and I'm going to do it. And as Jesus said, not my will be done, not my will be done, but yours. Now, what does that mean? How do we get to a place where it's not his will, but ours? One of the first things that has to happen, you guys, is we need to come to a place where we can surrender our wills to God in the same way. Where we can surrender our wills, where we can come to the place where we say, you know what, Jesus, everything that you have for me is what I want. And so, when we talk about being focused, I remember a while ago, uh, a few years ago, I was, I was studying this whole idea, because it talks about having a single mind in the scriptures, and I was looking about astigmatism. Anybody else in here have astigmatism? Okay, you got stigmatisms, and when you don't have, you know, did you notice Eric today, you know, putting on his glasses so he can see, and then taking him off so he can't see you. And so, kind of <laughs> going back and, and forth with this thing, because when you have a stigmatism, when you can see clearly, you know what happens? The image, the light comes in and it hits inside your eye and then it goes to a single point in the back of your eye. A single point. But when you have astigmatism, it comes into your eye and it splits off and it goes into two. Multiple points and all of a sudden what happens? Everything gets blurry. It gets blurry. And you know what, you guys? We have so many things. And it was Ryan's uh, his, his passage of scripture. There are so many many other things in this world that demand my time. And and, and my question for you is, can you be focused on Jesus Christ? Can you say, I love him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my being? Because if we're gonna be this church that looks like Christ, then the only way that's gonna happen is if on a regular basis we meet with him. You know my poor little boy Caleb. He was just, you know, he's just the cutest thing in the world, but he has this funky thing with his eyes. And Susie and I were noticing it, and all of a sudden his his eyes would be like this, and then it looked like one would kind of just, you know, shift over a little bit. Have you guys ever seen that? So we took him to the optometrist or ophthalmologist or whatever, and he put this thing over his eye, and he kept messing with it, and all of a sudden Caleb was looking straight like this, and then his left eye went boing, and totally looked over in this direction. You guys ever seen that? I mean, that is weird. In fact, it happened just this last week. I didn't tell you. We, we had some little friends over, and all of a sudden, uh, this little girl goes, oh, that's gross, Yeah, you know, because his eye was just, boing, it just, it takes off, and it goes in the other direction, and I'm telling you, so what do we got to do? I mean, you know, we're watching this, and we're, we're checking this out, because that's not right. Somehow, Caleb's eye is not supposed to be flipping over here. It's supposed to stay over here. And it's the perfect example for us. Us in this room right here will say, and many of you, if I asked you, you would raise your hand, you say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Bling! You know? And, and And you're going through life, and you got one eye on him, and you got one eye on all this other stuff. And you know what happens? It gets blurry. Your life gets unfocused. And you know what happens then? Slowly, you start to fade and you start to fade and you start to fade and the next thing you know you're not living the life that you want to live and you don't even know how you got there and I'm telling you one of the things that has to happen I can not live the life that Christ has for me if I don't on a regular basis sit before him and receive from him It is one of the most critical things that has to happen. It's one of the things that corrects this eye that's constantly looking at other things is to bring it back in line and to have it focused on Christ. And so you guys, so what do we do? We got a few things. How do we do this? Jesus was focused. I'm a follower of Christ. We're the body of Christ, which means we better be focused. So here's a couple things. At the beginning of the year, we kind of introduced to you these journals they're in the back right now, and they're called Life Journals. And we came up with this whole thing. This is what uh, the guys that I meet with on Thursday mornings, what we do. And it's kind of this inside, and there's, there's instructions. It can totally, because I don't have time to get into it again. You could go back and listen to the, to the message if you need to, either on the web or, or grab a CD or whatever. But it's this, this whole idea, and it's, it's a, um, a guide for you. Because if you haven't really opened up the Bible and started to read it, I know it can be very intimidating and very just, oh, I don't get it, all that kind of stuff. But it's called SOAP, and it just means to read the scripture, to observe it like Susie was talking about, just to, to pay attention, and then to apply it to your life, and then to pray about it. And, and it just will give you a journal of a way that you can do this. These are back in the, in the, at the bookstore. If you right now don't spend any time with God and with his word, I can't encourage you enough to pick one of these up and start doing it. I started doing this when I was 22 years old. They didn't have fancy journals then. It was just some guy who helped me to do this. And by far, without question, the greatest thing that I've ever done in my life is to learn how to sit with God. Not read somebody else's book about sitting with God. Not listening to me about how I sat with God. You sitting with God. I guarantee you it will change your life. It'll be the most amazing thing that you could do. All right. So the other thing is, though, we're going to be focused as well. Every Tuesday morning, we gather together here as as a group and we pray, because as a church, we want to be in tune with God. And we meet here every Tuesday at seven thirty. If you want to join us, you can do that. Next Sunday night, there's a there's a chance uh, to to gather together for prayer again as as a community and as a church. How else are you guys going to stay focused? You know, and I I say this all the time. It's like you come in here on a Sunday morning for an hour. And then I wish I would have counted how many there are in a week. And then all the rest of the hours of the week pull you like this. And I'm telling you, another thing that you need to do outside of your own time with God is get into one of our small groups to find a community of people that you can actually meet with during the week to encourage you and to support you as you go through this journey. And we have a lot more stuff coming up as well that I'm not going to tell you until the fall, okay? But about different ways that we can help you To be focused. Because here's what it is, you guys. To have reckless faith in Jesus Christ means, well, I want to know exactly what you want to do with my life. And then when I find out what it is, I'm going to do it. And could you sit here today, this morning, and say, that's me. That's me. I'm doing everything I can to hear from God, and I'm following Him with everything that I've got. And if you would say, I'm a follower of Christ, but that's not a part of your life, then maybe this morning is a day to say, you know what? I need a correction. (laughs) I need a correction. I want to live the life that Christ has for me. All right? So there you go. The first thing that hit me when I read this is look at Christ. He had to go to solitary places and be with his Father because he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do. So i got to do the same thing. All right? So we're focused. The very next verse says this. So he's out there and he's praying in a solitary place and verse 36 says that Simon and his companions went to look for him. So I just sat there, and, I, and, and again, these are, these are small little things, but I just thought the very first, the next thing is, he's out there alone, and the first thing that happens is people go look for him. Now, what's interesting is right after Jesus was baptized, you know what happened? The very first thing that happened is he was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So if you really want to follow Christ, isn't that awesome? You'll be tempted in the desert, and you can be tempted by the devil. Anybody want to sign up? Be awesome. He comes back, he starts to preach, and then you know what the first thing he does? The first thing that he does is he chooses four guys to live life together with. The very first thing that we see, look at this, we'll go back to verse 16, chapter one, verse 16. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in a boat preparing their nets, and without delay, he called them, and they left their father' Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. You know what's really cool? is from this point on, the Bible, and as you follow the story, it goes into, instead of "He did this," it says "they." So what's the second thing in our mantra? Ready? I'm going to do one, two, three, and everybody say it. One, two, three. Tight. tight. We're tight. And we're supposed to be tight. Now why? Why, before we ever started this church, did we say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to focus on Christ. Well, that's because that's what Jesus did. He showed us how to focus on God. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to be tight. Now why do we want to, as a church, be tight? Well, because we're the body of Christ, and Christ, the first thing he did was say, you Four. With me, with me, let's do life together. And for the rest of his existence, he lived with these men. And so it's important for us to figure out that we need to be tight. He calls us to to life together. Now, here's the deal. Jesus, when he was around, how many people were, were around him? Like thousands, right? I mean, it says thousands of people were around him. So there was this big community that Jesus was a part of. Now, we don't have thousands here at k to The Church, but on a regular basis, we usually have about 1,200 people who are here, right? And, and again, Dave Elsog did this thing with, our, uh, with Adventure Canyon and found out within a six-week period, normally we have 250 kids on a Sunday, but in a six-week period, 500 kids went through our program. Well, you know what that means? That's double the kids that went through our program. You know what that means? Probably double the adults. So we could say easily 2,500 people would at least call K2 maybe the church that they go to, okay? So Jesus had a 1,000 people. Now, what did he do with those 1,000? Did he get to know all of them? Did he, know? I mean, obviously, he was was in a human flesh. He couldn't do it, and I know that some of you, you come here, and nobody knows you. You're part of the 1,000, but nobody knows your name, nobody knows your story, nobody knows your passion, and nobody knows your dreams. You know what's interesting? Dave Elsog also shared another thing with us, some study he found, that literally, apparently, no matter what size the group, you can only know 70 names. Only 70 names. doesn't matter if there's 10,000 people in your church or 70 people in your church, you're going to know 70 people. And I've, they've done years of study on this, so we were just going, we were taking that. But you know what's interesting? In Luke, it says that Jesus appointed 72. So he's a little better, because he knew two more people than the rest of us, so we, we can figure out. But... But it, and it, what was interesting is he took 72 people and he appointed them. So there was this other, larger community that Jesus knew them. But then you guys know, right? How many guys did he have? He had 12. He had 12. The 12 disciples, the 12 apostles that followed him around. And when we talk about getting into our small groups of people, a place where you actually are known, where you belong, where people can know you. That's partly why we do these communities, because it's critical. Even Christ, God in the flesh, could really hang out with 12 people. And so it's critical if we're going to be followers of Christ, right? If you're a disciple of Christ right now, and you're only a part of the 1,000, or maybe you know 70 people here, and yet you haven't got yet to the place where you're hanging out with 12, then, then this might be an area of correction for you to say, man, where, where yeah, where do I, who do I belong with? Then, you know what's so cool about Jesus, though? He also went more intimate than that, didn't he? He had 12, but then what did he have? He had Peter, James, and John. When you follow the life of Christ, he had three guys, the inner sanctum, who knew him really, really, really well. And we've talked here, and I'll just go ahead and confess about running partners, about having people in your life who really know you. And this is one of the areas, just to help you know this next year, that we, we, I think we cast vision well on on running partners. I still hear people talking about running partners. Some people will say, so-and-so is my running partner. But I also know that some of you heard about it, maybe got excited about it, and then we didn't do a great job at equipping you with what that means and how you're gonna do it. And I wanna let you right now, for the next six months, we are working really, really hard that if you do have someone in your life, that you can actually be equipped to to know how to live life with them. But I'm telling you guys, I have stuff in my life, don't you, that I don't want anybody to know. Anybody else got stuff like that? A bunch of liars. (laughs) All of us. And you know what that stuff does inside us? It tears you apart and it weighs you down. There's something that God gave us, and it's this whole idea of getting it into the light, of having other guys or other women in your life, if you're a woman, who can love you in spite of who you are, who can know everything about you and still encourage you, who can hold you accountable to the life that you want to live. If we're gonna be like Christ, what he did is he said, you guys, you're with me. You're with me, I need you. So here at K2, All over the map. Now, I I know in this area, some of you in this room would say, dude, you won't believe the community I have in this place. These people are unbelievable. Some of you are sitting here today and you go, I think this place stinks. I've been coming here for months and years and I haven't found it. And and we're all over the map on this area. And I'll I'll just be totally honest with you. It is a huge issue that we're going to work on hard this year. Because if we're going to be a church that's tight, then that means that every one of us in this room if we're really a part of the body of Christ, is joined and held together. So, how do we get tight? Tonight, 7 a.m. If you're married, guess who you need to be tight with? Your spouse. Yeah, your spouse. That would be a good idea. And it starts there. And right now, man, if you and your spouse are totally struggling or whatever, that's got to start with you two. Last week, we spoke on marriage. You can get the CD or whatever or listen to it on the web. And tonight, we told you that we're going to do a marriage discussion. And so everyone's, everyone's welcome. Doesn't matter, you don't have to be married. You can learn about marriage if you're single. Anybody can come, but we're just going to meet right here, and depending on how many people are here, we'll either be in this area or back in the lobby. 7 p.m., we'd love to have you join us. So that's one thing we're doing to help you get tight with the most significant person in your life. I already talked about running partners, but here's, here's the question. What did Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, what did they do when they couldn't find Jesus? It says they went to look for him. Here's my question. Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Because most of the time, I think, as human beings, we go, hey, who's looking for me? Come on, you know. I mean, and that's a good question, actually. Who is looking for you? And some of you would say, I I don't know. if, If I was all alone, if I stopped coming, who would be looking for me? But my question to you is, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Are your eyes... Komen, the 1,200 people who will be here today, and are you looking for people? And that's what we need to do. I already talked about small groups. It's another thing that we offer here to help make that happen. If you look through your program today, you guys, you will see stuff for singles, for men's ministry, for women's ministry. Adventure Canyon is doing a Raging Waters night. The youth ministries are cranking. There are lots of opportunities for you to say, you know what? I'm a follower of Christ. I need to get connected. Those are all entry-level p- opportunities to be able to say, you know what? I'm gonna live the life that God has for us. And then the other one, last one on this issue, is that white warehouse that we're working on right now. And we called this what? I told you this last week. More room to be tight. More room to be tight. Because here's our thought. If there's so many of us gathered in together here, if you take all those people and you divide them into two, automatically there's less people gathering in both place. And what we're hoping is that you already will be considering with my friends and with my family, which place am I going to be a part of? And which part am I going to really be connected to so that I can start to be more tight? And I don't know, do we have pictures, Shannon, on on this thing? So just this last week as well, we were over here working, and we're just we've had a blast. I think yesterday um, I was painting and stuff inside, and I, I Carmen a, did you finish your, your deal? So Carmine was in there and he painted the whole ceiling of of that warehouse, which is amazing. Thank you, dude, for doing that. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but you know, and the rest of us peons were in there with our little brushes, you know, doing working on Adventure Canyon. But but the point was, you guys, is we were there together. I know we've asked you to consider coming over and helping us, but one of the things I want to say is, is, is when you come over, come. There he is right there. Beautiful. Um, but one of the things to do, if you want to come help us, grab a friend and come and join us together. That's what we're trying to do as we figure out this thing. So this is uh, the inside of, of the new warehouse. There it is. As you can see, the, the ceiling is being painted black. It's just a, there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on. Lots of ceiling pictures. Cool. All right. Tom Smith, cranking it out, painting. Anyway, but part of the deal is, you guys, is, is, is what are, what advantages? There are so many advantages that you could be taking, taking, taking advantage of the opportunities that are here. And one of them is, we ought to be in there by August 24th, and it'll be a miracle of God. But as all of us join in and grab our friends and do it together, it'll be awesome. All right? So there you go. Jesus did life together, and so we need to, too. You know what was so cool about Jesus, too? Last thing on this one is he saw, the scripture says what? He saw Peter and Andrew, he saw James and John. And I can't tell you enough if we're going to be a church that's tight, are your eyes looking around and are you seeing the amazing people that God is bringing to this place? And then are you like Christ? Because we're followers of Christ. Are you like Christ? inviting people into your world so that we can be tight. All right? So that's the second thing. We're focused and we're tight. And what's our third one? We're out there. So here we go. Here's Jesus. And this is why we're doing this. There we go. Verse uh, 37. When they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And this is one of my favorite scriptures. I, I love this. Hey, dude, God, everybody's looking for you. And look at what Jesus says. Oh, cool, let's go somewhere else. <laughs> is that not the greatest response? I love that. Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also, because that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And, and you guys, we got to, again, put Christ in flesh, too. God in flesh. Why did he have to go out and be tempted by the devil? He was tempted by the devil to, to look out for himself and to be something great. And can you imagine? I mean, as a pastor, I can imagine. Can you imagine somebody coming and say, hey, dude, everybody's looking for you. What would that do to your spirit? Whoa, this is awesome. I must be really important. I must be really successful. This is awesome. People need me, it's working. And so you know what you would want to do is like, man, you would want to set up camp, right, and say I should build a church and we should all hang out together because this is working. And Jesus says, this is great. Let's go someplace else. It's such a chance for pride. It's such a chance for a comfort zone and for ease. But what did he do? When everybody was saying, you're incredible, what did Jesus do? He went to a solitary place and he prayed. And apparently, what did the father say? Get out of there and keep moving. Why? Because Jesus, you're a man on a mission you're a man on a mission this is why i came he said is because everybody needs to know about this and then he said what just as the father sent me i am sending you i want to look like christ do you want to look like christ do you want our church to look like christ see because if we don't then let's just stop there's no reason for us to gather together. And can I just share with you one of the hardest challenges that you and I have, both of us, all of us in this room, you know what the, one of the hardest challenges we have? Is that we've grown up in the American church. And we think that if I come on Sunday morning for an hour, that I've done church. But the point is, you guys, that's, we're, we're totally going to miss the whole boat if we think that an hour a week is what Jesus did, I'm going to live like Jesus for an hour. And then I've got the rest of my life to do whatever I want, and I'll come back this hour. No. If I'm going to live like Christ, if I'm going to be sent just the way that he was sent, then I've got to be focused on him. And I need to be tight with you. You know, not just sitting next to each other in a space. I need to be in relationship with you. And then the third thing is, I need to be on mission. And so my question is, where is he sending you? What's your Galilee? He went around Galilee. What's your Galilee? What's your sphere of influence? Where do you work? We talked about this earlier this year. Where do you live? And why do you live there? Why do you work where you work? Did you know it's not just to make money? Did you know that you live where you live? Not just because, you know, the market was at a decent price. I could afford that house and I liked it. No. Do you know that God is up there saying, listen, I'm sending you into your school. You guys, why do you go to the school that you go to? It's because he is saying, I'm sending you there. I'm on a mission. And if you've received him, he's in a mission through you to your school. And through you guys, through your workplace, through me and my neighborhood, this is what it means to be focused, tight, and then out there. And so at K2, yes, why are we doing this White Warehouse? Partly it's because we believe it will give us some tighter community, but at the same time, the reason we're doing it is because now we're going to have twice as many seats so that we can reach as many more people. And you know what we could do? We could look at K2 and go, man, has this been a great three years? This is, it has. It's been awesome. What a neat church. You know, let's all just kind of hang out together. And you know what? Not if you're a follower of Christ. I can tell you this right now. We are going to work as hard as possible this year. Number one, to help you know how to receive from God by yourself with your own Bible and in prayer. We're going to do everything we can. You know what else we're going to work really hard this year at? is we are, we are cranking on this community issue. We are not satisfied at all with the community that we should be in. So we're going to work hard on that here. But I can tell you this, as much as we're going to work hard at being tight, we will never, ever, ever stay satisfied with sitting in this place. Ever. And so we are going to expand we are going to provide more room, because we know if Jesus was in this church and if he was lead pastor of this place, he'd be like, "Hey, I love you guys, and I'm all over you. Let's go. Let's go. I'm on a mission, man. I love every person in this world. I love every person that you know. And so we're going to create more room. Why are we doing South Campus? So you guys don't have to drive so far? You know? I mean, great, gas is four bucks a dollar. I'm going to South. You know, I'll save some cash. Yeah, that will be awesome that you will save some cash. But really, why are we doing that? Because we think that there's an opportunity for more people who would never drive up here to start to find the community that could lead them into the presence of God. And there are people that he loves, and you live there. And so we're saying, well, then we're going to go down there. And we're going to give you an opportunity to love people. Because if I'm a follower of Christ, and if we're the body of Christ, Christ says let's go. Man, Jesus, everybody needs you. Great. Let's leave. And that's what we're doing. Now, we're staying, but we're going. And so if you are interested at all in this south campus of why we're doing this, then this Friday, we're having another meeting, seven o'clock. But here's what's really cool. Got some neat news just this last week, brand new news. There's a potential building, potential, okay, that we are going to look at, and we're actually going to meet there okay? It's at 7800 South and Redwood. 7800 South and Redwood. So if you are interested in being a part of the South Campus, if you want to join us at seven o'clock, we're going to be outside that property just praying together and seeking God's will, all right? So we'd love to have you be a part of that. Okay, did I get that point across? Because this is critical. You know why this is critical to me? Because if somebody else whose name I don't even know had not taken Jesus Christ seriously and allowed him to make him on mission, I would have never heard about him. I would have never known the life I have if somebody hadn't said, I'm going to be on mission. And I'm telling you right now, there are people that you know that Jesus wants to love and you're the vehicle to do it. And so we're going to be out there. All right? He was always moving on mission. And we'll close with this. But here's the coolest thing about Christ. So it says he traveled through Galilee preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And then we get to verse 40. And it says, a man with leprosy came to him. And he begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. I just want to tell you, as a follower of Christ, I love watching his life. Here's Jesus. Number one Father, you and me. You and me. Often, I'm going to withdraw so it's you and me. Okay, got it. And then as soon as he gets it, he looks around and he goes, You, 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 and you. Come on. Do this with me. Do this with me. Okay? Great. Got the community. I'm tight. Awesome. Then what's he do? He ministers and he preaches the gospel, and all these people want him. And what's he do? He says, all right, we're out of here because I'm on mission. As he leaves to go on mission, what happens? One person in need cries out to him. And what did Jesus do? Dude, bim, I'm busy. I'm on mission. no. The guy was his mission. And he stopped, and he heard the voice of one person. You will find this all through the scriptures. In fact, his disciples often would say, Hey, shut up! You know, don't bother him. He's really important. And what would happen? Jesus would be the one who would hear the voice. And he ministered to that person in that moment. Now, now it's interesting the guy doesn't end up being part of his three or he doesn't end up being part of his 12. I don't even know if he ends up being part of his 72. Probably not. But do you know what he did end up being? A recipient of the compassion of God. And so the other part for us as a church, we knew when we started this thing, if we're going to look at all like Jesus, then we've got to be out there. That's what you guys just did. You guys just spent the last three days totally being Jesus Christ to this world and to this community. And that's what's so awesome. And Ryan, just thanks for taking the lead and helping you guys to taste what it is to be Christ. Man, last week I got to meet with Bonnie Strickland and her team, the Compassion team. Man, it was so awesome to be in their presence and they are so psyched. So if you look in your program again, there are a couple opportunities. Today at 1230, again, K2, the church, the body of Christ will be at Pioneer Park feeding the homeless and today, if that's what you want to do, 1230, you can just show up. Ron's right here. Ron, raise your hand. Ron's helping to lead that ministry, and he'll be there. And you can look at him, and his beautiful face, and, and follow him. And, um, but, just, but, but, we're, but that's one of the things we're doing. Tomorrow night, Monday Night Life, we'll be right in town again at the Road Home, ministering to people. That's part of what it means. And I know for me, this is a huge challenge for me. Because sometimes I don't even know how to handle my 3 or my 12, you know, and I feel overwhelmed because I'm not being good with the 72. And sometimes and then we've got mission, and I've got stuff i got to do. But the one thing, you guys, we can never remember, never forget. <laughs> don't ever remember this. Um, <laughs> what we can never forget is that if we're going to look like Christ, we can't forget the person. And compassion is the one who sees the need and blesses that person. And that's who we're going to be. All right. Ban, if you guys will come on up. We are going to be focused and we're going to be tight and we're going to be out there. And that's what we're going to do. And so, you know what? In the right moment, I think of what to do, Ban, um, <laughs> the right thing for us to do in these last minutes here of this service is to take some time and to, with your heart, Worship him. Worship him. Get settle the issue here, right now, here today. I'm going to surrender my life to Christ, which means I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to be tight with people in this place, and I'm going to be out there. The first song we're going to sing, too, as Sam leads us, is a song all about the amazing love of God. Because what you need to remember, what was the first thing that happened? The first thing we saw about Jesus is he received the Father's blessing. The one thing Jesus knew is he was loved by the Father. So we're going to start off remembering the great love that he has for us, and then we're going to commit ourselves to go for it, all right? So we're going to take our offering during this first song, which is just one part of the way that we worship him, one part that we give back the great things that he's given to us. If you're visiting, don't worry about it. It's just for those who want to love God through this act of worship who are part of K2, we'd love to have you contribute. But let's worship him with all of our heart right now so that by the time we're done, we can walk out of this place and say, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm going to be like Jesus Christ. I'm going to be focused. I'm going to be tight. I'm going to be out there.